We gotta get the vibes right. <coughs> Dismiss all of these. This on mute. We on mute. There we go. There we go. There we go. There we go. Yeah, yeah. I actually didn't. <clears throat> I actually been thinking about if I should even do this pod for I don't know maybe two weeks now at least since the the first month or the first week of May I've been contemplating if I should even do this and it wasn't until I had a conversation with my sister Julia that she kind of encouraged me without knowing to to do this so shit here I here I am and here <laughs> we are First of all, everyone, welcome, I guess, back to the Truth Pace podcast. A lot of you might be wondering, where the hell have I been? What have I been doing? And where the hell have my Truth Paste pod episodes been? Well, this is what this episode is for. Um, it's a little bit of that, but more importantly, May is the month of mental health awareness and... I have decided to share my story on mental health and my battle with depression and kind of share that battle and then hopefully that'll give you some insight as to what's been going on with me for a while. <clears throat> so first off, thank you everyone who have been asking repeatedly for episodes of the pod you unknowingly have pushed me to this point. Um, I appreciate all of you for that. You've let me know that you enjoy my insight and opinion, which to me is still very odd. But with this episode, I decided for once, let me deliver some substance and something that can actually help people rather than just entertain. I'm sure there'll be bits of that within this episode, but ultimately I wanted to use this as an opportunity to kind of share and showcase, and not showcase, I'm not showcasing anything, but I guess kind of share my story in the hopes that maybe it can help somebody else with their own. So first, let's back it up. So... Father's Day, or I guess the day before Father's Day, 2017. 2017, yeah, because uh, my daughter was born August 2016. So Father's, the Saturday before Father's Day, 2017, I'm living in LA with my fiance. Our child is approaching one years old. And at this point, I am struggling in my <laughs> in my waking life. Um, outside of just my mental health, my financial health is in the shitter, right? We're living in a very expensive apartment. I'm making just enough money to cover expenses and survive, which isn't unusual living in LA. There's a lot of people who live like that, but it's 
it's extra difficult when you're a father for the very first time trying to figure out how to do this uh, while maintaining a healthy work life, maintaining a healthy relationship, maintaining just a healthy body. There's just a lot of changes that you can't anticipate when having a child, especially when the majority of your support system being our family members were in Seattle at the time. We were out there alone. So for almost the first year, um, well, not the first year, maybe the, the first six months we had my fiance's brother there to help us watch our daughter while we worked just day and night to try to pay these bills and continue to take steps forward in becoming successful in a place like Los Angeles, which takes a lot of sacrifice. You might have to set, you're going to have to sacrifice sleep. It's a lot of time that's sacrificed in regards to just, you know, personal enjoyment. If you're really on the pursuit of being successful out there. So you can get, you know, get lost in that, in the sense of you kind of lose, I don't want to say your morals and ethics, but you can find yourself in a place where you're running faster than you probably need to. And a lot of that is you're running the pace of the people around you, which is fine if the pace that you can run, you know, exceeds the pace of everyone else around you. But, you know, L.A. is a destination for transporters for transplants like people from everywhere who believe they are the best in their respective places come to LA or California in the pursuit of being the best in that respective category so you're thrown into a field of competition right away no matter what you're doing you're competing against other people companies industries entities you name it LA is just one giant competition so that mindset of having to constantly compete and produce is exhausting, to be quite honest. Um, the pursuit for material things isn't as strong as a lot of people would like you to believe. It's obvious and it's there. Um, but the reality of the situation is, is that financially you can't afford it. You have to prioritize what you're paying for. And what I found out is that there are a lot of people living in shitty apartments, driving really nice clothes or have really nice wardrobes and really nice jewelry and things like that. We decided to not have those things and instead have a nice apartment. Either way, the cost of living in L.A. or California, for that matter, is expensive no matter where you are. In my opinion, if you're going to decide to be in a large metropolitan city. Um, or even just in, you know, an urban city for that matter, the cost of living is going to be high. So it's difficult. So with that being said, leading up to that father or, you know, that father's day, um, you know, my car was repossessed. I think like it was either the week of, or the week before I put in my two week notice at the job that I was at. And then a lot of that was just the result of me asking for a raise after being there for well over a year, almost two years. The company grew in size three times over during that time. My workload increased three times over my responsibilities 
increased. And I felt that as a result of having to spend more time on the road, driving to and from places, meeting with more and more people, I should be compensated just because it's more of my time, more of my energy. I'm investing more sweat equity into this company and into this business. I just wanted a bump in pay to kind of offset, you know, uh, my fiance's brother moving away and kind of the time he would spend with our daughter, um, kind of balancing that cost out with, you know, a caregiver or just being able to help with the cost around the house so that my fiance wouldn't have to work so many hours. Unfortunately, that was not the case. They decided <laughs> no. Um, and as a result, I later found out that not only was I not going to get my last two checks that I thought I was going to get, those checks were actually going to be used for payments for my medical insurance, which was a an error on my part, their part. It was just a fucking mess. <laughs> um, so you've got, you know, let's say Thursday, I put in my two week notice. Tuesday, um, my car gets repossessed. And I think that Sunday was Father's Day. I'm glad I can laugh at it now because back then I, I carried that shame and guilt of having my car repossessed like someone who got pantsed in front of a large group of people. Like now that I'm older, I'm over it. Like it that repossession, it was what it was. It is what it is. But at that time, like, you know, that that shit was embarrassing. And a lot of that was because I wasn't being forthcoming with my fiance about my financial situation because I'm over here robbing Peter to pay Paul in the hopes that John won't want that money before I get it back to Peter. So I'm, you know, just figuring it out as I go along. Things are getting paid. Some things have to wait a month. Some things end up waiting, you know, a month and a half. They eventually get paid. But just that balance isn't going to work. And the second that there's a large uh, emergency or some sort of some sort of fear or expense a lot of that money saved is gone there isn't a lot of money to save because a lot of the money is being spent so you know without saying a whole lot I mean these changes within this two week span really you know just fucked up kind of just the trajectory of what I had planned in my mind for myself and my family my plan was to take the two weeks or the two checks that I was going to get. One of those was going to cover the cost of rent. The other one was going to float me for the next week or two. Ultimately, I'd have three weeks to find another job. I felt confident in being able to do that. But that would also imply or require me to have a car to get to and from, you know, my house to work. So all my plans were essentially fucked. Um to know at the time, you know, I wanted to blame, it was easy to blame everyone but myself. Um, but eventually I got to the point where I, I kind of carried a lot of that with me. And uh, it eventually led just down a dark, dark, dark hole. So I guess with this story, every every incident along the way was, you know, a stone that you can add on top that, you know, eventually was going to be, you know, the final one to, to snap, you know, my mental health, so to speak. So I keep talking about everything but the Father's Day thing. I led with that. haven't talked about that. So 
<clears throat> the Saturday before Father's Day, my fiance and I are not getting along. We are stressed out. She is pissed off and rightfully so about the repossession of our car. Um, you know, me not getting the checks that are coming. You know, I pretty much put I put my family in a fucked up situation thinking trying to plan for something without planning for the unexpected so we're having a tough time in this current moment and one night she comes in um i'm sleep i'm taking a nap with our daughter it's nighttime she comes in wakes me up and you know in a rush and says i i need your help I wake up, our daughter wakes up, she starts crying because she sees mom, she wants mommy, so I wake up, excuse me, I wake up, and I'm holding our daughter, I'm going down the hallway of our apartment, and, um, you know, Natasha's at the far end of the hallway of the apartment, she comes running back, and, you know, she's got this look in her eyes that is un- it's unusual, you know, something is off and meaning something's not quite right. I can't, I don't really know what it is because I've only been awake for probably like a hundred seconds at this point, but I'm trying to gather all the information (laughs) as it's all happening. So we're walking down the hall and she's telling me, I need your help with something like, don't worry. Like just give Amritha to her, her being some random lady that I don't know, that I know she doesn't know, which was very unusual. That in itself let me know, like, uh-oh, something bad is going on because my fiancé doesn't let anyone watch our daughter like that. Even now, she's going to be five in August, and even now she's like that. So when she was five months, I can, for me, it's just like, whoa, that... Red flag, huge red flag. So, you know, I'm like, no, (laughs) no, I'm not going to I'm not giving our daughter to her because the lady has an even more fucked up look in her eyes. Like she just saw like a zombie eat somebody like the look in her eyes doesn't encourage me to want to hand my baby over to her. But I hand Amritha over to Natasha. Natasha then gives our child over to the lady, which to me is like, what the fuck is going on? And we walked into um, one of our neighbors across who, who lived across the hall and two doors down from us. There is a woman in the living room crying frantically, pacing, crying. And I look in and out of one of the doorways, I just see, you know, two legs, and you know feet sticking out and in a very quickly i can put together what's what's going on at this scene ultimately i mean i'm not i don't I'm trying to decide if if i should share details of that just because just out of respect for that young man and his family I'm not going to get into details just to just out of respect for for the dead. What I will say is that when I got there, um, he was dead and it he had been dead for a while. Um, 911 was on the phone and now here I am 
I find myself in this apartment, in this apartment by myself with the roommate who I later find out was the roommate. The girl was the roommate and the gentleman was the other roommate that lived there. I'm now left in the apartment by myself with them. She's going crazy. He obviously is gone. 911's asking me to do CPR on him. I, I reluctantly do it, even though I know it's not going to do anything other than create more trauma for me down the line. Um, and in that moment, God bless her, his roommate, she jumped in and started doing chest compressions. And, you know, there are sound, there's, there's different types of cries in life. And I pray to God, I never have to hear that, the, the cry that she let out while she was giving him CPR. It's, I mean, that pain is, that that level of pain sticks with you. And I had no idea that it would stick with me as long as it did. And so all of this chaos ensues, I leave. And honestly, from the time I woke up to the time I walk out and, you know, get on the phone with someone to tell them, you know, kind of tell them what happened. It's probably, honestly, it felt like it was three minutes. Like it felt so quick that it almost felt like it was a dream and it didn't happen. Um, you know, that, so <laughs> you can imagine, you know, you're in, you're having an issue with your significant other and then you guys deal with something like that. Like, Sure, it brings you together, but it's still kind of awkward just because that was a it was a traumatic experience. And for me at that time, I I didn't know why I went through that. You know, I, I felt I felt kind of angry at my fiance for putting me in that situation without telling me. You know, I found out what happened when I was already when it was too late. And um Part of that was was her understanding of or not her understanding, but, you know, she felt and to her credit there pressure situations like that. I tend to remain calm. I'm chill for the most part. I'm calm. I'm probably if you've ever met me, I'm probably the most patient person you've ever met or will meet. There's not a lot that rouses me up or gets under my skin, or at least that I'll let you know of, or or that I'll I'll let you know. But um, that that definitely fucked with me, and I did. And it it wasn't until a few years later that that moment actually caught up with me. So fast forward, we end up having to move back to Seattle from L.A. We had a an incident where our, with our HVAC where uh, it started pouring water into our apartment, our daughter's room, the carpet got messed up. There was mold. We had to fight with the apartment complex and housing to, you know, get us out of that lease and out of the apartment. This after numerous conversations, pleads and requests to be moved to a different apartment just because, you know, my fiance, every time someone would open one of those doors as she walked down the hall, it would fuck with her. 
you know, and she for a while wouldn't walk down that hall, which unfortunately is the closest elevator to our apartment for she would take the long route just because she wouldn't want to have to walk down that hall again so we had to do all this stuff to eventually be let out of our lease and move back to seattle but from the time that you know father's day was the day before we moved back in that that august that following august so there's a lot of changes a lot of fast changes happening quickly and I feel responsible for all of it whether that's right or wrong I carried a lot of that that guilt and that pain and that shame of you know kind of put of not kind of of putting my family in a fucked up situation and I that was the beginning of the quicksand that I was stuck in for the next for close to a year, a year and a half. Um, And it wasn't until I got to a point where I was almost swallowed up by, um, you know, my depression that I actually realized I was in a fucked up state like that was that was the 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 difficult part for me with my depression was first identifying that it was depression i mean and a lot of that was because i could point to bad things that happened and i would attribute my feelings or situations to those moments people or things not realizing that it didn't matter what it was. I was going to feel the same shitty feeling no matter what. Like if I got turned down for a job, I'm going to have this shitty feeling of self-worth and that, you know, I can't provide. If I get a job, go to work, but I feel like I'm, I'm, I need to be home with my child to relieve Natasha of her duties. There's going to be some guilt that I, it's going to be the same conversation and the same guilt that's associated with both rather than looking at it. Like I'm away providing, making money to bring that back home for us. So for the next year and a half, I was processing things completely wrong. Every, every moment, that I had an opportunity to create a level of criticism against myself, I would. And I'm my hardest critic, naturally. No one is going to be harder on me than me. No one is ever going to say anything to me that I, for the most part, don't already know or or have already recognized about myself. So I'm... Anytime I'm making a mistake or I feel like I'm not doing enough or I'm not providing or I'm not living up to the expectation I have for myself, I'm extremely hard on myself to the point where I'm almost destroying my own character. And I laugh because it's 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 horrible what I won't speak for everyone, but it's horrible what my depression did to me because. And this, I mean, and ultimately this can be the case for everyone. But for me personally, my, my ego was the, the captain of my depression. 
And the battles I would have with my ego during this time were monumental, <laughs> to say the least. Because what I didn't realize during this time was that a, a large majority of who I was being in California was protected, empowered by my ego. And a lot of that was was more of me trying to figure out who I needed to be to be successful. And I, when I say like the, who I needed to be, it's not I'm not being like an imposter. I'm not trying to come up with a persona per se and change my name and shit. But like there's certain characteristics and a certain way of being that you want to adopt in order to be successful, whether it's being direct, looking people in the eyes whether it's being collaborative, working with other people, networking, thinking of others and how they, you know, can create opportunities for you. Like just figuring out how I how I needed to be would eventually turn into who I became or who I wanted to become in order to get to where I wanted to go. And what I found out was that my ego started to overrun who I was just genuinely as a person for the most part I was who I was and I continued to be the same person but slowly over time there were parts of my character and parts of my personality that started to deteriorate and you don't know it's gone until you look for it or you don't know it's not working until you try to turn it on and it's not there what I mean by that is that there'd be moments in in my life where I should feel happy and I should feel motivated and I don't, you know, I love basketball. I've got the love to hoop channel, which I mean is essentially my dedication to the game of basketball in all forms and facets. And I found myself, honestly, this is when I knew something, this is when I knew something was really wrong. I didn't even want to go play basketball. I'm at the height or I guess the bottom of my depression. I'm down to under 150 pounds, which right now I'm 170, which I'm still thin, but you can imagine at 6'1", you know, like 147, I'm looking bad, smoking hella weed, eyes dark, sunken in, I'm eating Wendy's all the fucking time. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, sulking in my depression I'm allowing my depression to engulf me and just wrap me up in all its misery <laughs> until um you know I, I got to a point where I I started to recognize things weren't working properly or something was wrong and I couldn't recognize what it was and as someone who prides himself in being self-aware it was really difficult for me to ask for help because I didn't even know what I needed help with and that was the biggest struggle for me is that I knew something was wrong and I would ask people for help and a lot of the, the I guess the cry cry outs for help were more of just me either displaying like strange traits in my character, whether it be me not responding to people, me not being my word, me not holding myself accountable or being responsible, um, you know, me not being, you know, talkative, jubilant as I normally am. You know, my energy was just fucked up. You know, I, I'm usually a conductor of energy, meaning... 
people, all the energies in the room, I tend to absorb them and then I filter and give out the positive. And at this point, I couldn't do it. I was exhausted. Everything that was coming in, whether it was positive or negative, I'm just spitting out back negative shit just because I was living in that. And, you know, during that time, you know, I'm, I'm in a battle fighting to climb out of the quicksand. Um, and during that time, I'm fucking a lot of stuff up. You know what I mean? People are giving me job opportunities, putting their name and credibility on the line. And I'm fucking that off because I'm trying to, I, I can't handle the battle with my ego. I can't win that battle with my ego and that battle that I have at home. You know, I'm struggling to find who I'm supposed to be in this next phase of my life because the person that I was in California isn't going to survive here. That person that I was in California brought me to this place. So that person has to die. So this battle that I'm having with my depression is at the time, it felt like a battle against my ego where one of us had to go. And, you know, I remember having a lot of conversations with my co my cousin, Evan, shout out to my guy, E-Man. You know, uh, those conversations helped a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. And, uh, you know, just quickly, I, you know, E, from the bottom, <laughs> from the bottom of my heart, cousin, thank you, brother. Because those conversations in the truck, late night, just chopping it up, man, it really helped me get to the point that I'm at now. So I, I'm indebted to you because of that and you know i think that you know i think it was important to have somebody to lean on during those times and i appreciate having you at that time god had us in the same place at the same time for a reason and uh part of the reason that you were in seattle when you were was to help keep me alive so thank you thank you thank you but uh, I just remember during those times, man, needing needing someone to talk to and feeling kind of lost. And, and my cousin Evan was kind of going through something similar where he was fighting to provide for his family and do the right thing for his daughter and had a son come in. And, you know, we would confide in one another just the struggles of just trying to provide at a time where you don't know what you're going to be doing, but you're willing to fight every single day just to get to the next step every day is difficult you know what i mean every hour is difficult you block off hours at a time to just get through the next hour like fuck what i gotta do for the week like how am i gonna stay motivated next hour you know to where i don't want to just go you know smoke a blunt to the face in in the hopes that i feel better for 30 minutes like it it got real you know, it got it got real. Um, not not real fast. It was slow. It was over time. You know, I'm I'm trying to provide formula and diapers for you know my parents' house where I was staying, for my fiance's parents' house where she was staying with our daughter. We had broken up at this time, so I'm fighting to get my relationship back. I'm fighting to get my family back. You know what I mean, like. Everything that I ever wanted that I created, I lost in a matter of months. 
all at the doing of myself because I never asked for help or expressed what was going on. So foolishly, I felt that I had the responsibility of doing it on my own to get back what it was that I wanted. As far as the majority of the work, I enlisted the help of my friends to kind of help me with my relationship to figure out what was going on how I could, you know, fix that and get get back to a, a healthy place. But ultimately, I had to do the work on my own. And that battle was difficult. And I almost I almost got taken out. Well, I almost took myself out. I didn't get taken out. I almost took myself out. The depression, if you want to say depression, almost led me to a point of suicide. That's fine. But ultimately, you know, I I stepped off of that ledge you know, as the man I am today. Um, but to get to that point, it's, it's crazy. You know, you feel something's happening. Your mood is changing. You're not as motivated as you once were before. Your sex drive isn't there. Your confidence isn't there. Your belief in yourself and others and your abilities isn't there. I mean, the the level of hopelessness that sinks in is overwhelming at times. And it's like, you know, those those dark rainy days in Washington where you don't feel like getting out of the bed. Like there's a lot of days that are like that. And there would be days where I would have to will myself out of the bed just to take a step in the right direction. And those were the harder. Honestly, those days weren't the hardest. The hardest days were the ones where things were going good and I would just be so worried that something bad would happen that I wouldn't allow those good days to fill up, you know, to fill up my cup. Ah, it's just one day. Something bad's going to happen later or tomorrow or the next day. Not believing good things can happen or that it's possible really created a a negative mindset for me and I lived in that. You know, I remember my birthday was it 2018, September 2018. I think it was. It was the first birthday I had when I came back. Nobody knows this and I mean for for the sake of this pod I'll share it, but I had a birthday party and you know, at not a party, but you know, I had a birthday and I invited some friends. Nobody knows. Like when I left that birthday, I cried. Well, before I even started driving, I sat in the car and I cried. I cried, I cried, I cried. And I cried because I in a in a room full of people that like and love me, I could not absorb a little bit of it if I if my life depended on it. And at the time it felt like my life did depend on it. And I just felt shitty. I felt shitty. I couldn't shake all the shame and the guilt I had of everything that happened when I moved back. And it was, it was difficult. It was extremely difficult to live in that space. And in a moment where you're trying to feel good about yourself, I couldn't. And the reality of that sent me into tears and I just cried. You know, I wanted to be happy. I wasn't happy. I wasn't happy about myself. I wasn't happy about my situation. I wasn't happy about my relationships, whether it be work, family, friends, romantic. Like I wasn't happy. I was 
I was fucked up, you know, and I I kept that with me for a while. You know, I drove home and I that drive home was <laughs> that drive home was a lonely car ride. And I'll never forget that night. I will never, ever forget that night, because for me, that was another one of those moments where it's just like something something is wrong. And I, don't, I think I expressed to I'm, I don't know who I talked to. It might have been. Uh, a home girl of mine but I might have expressed to them you know something was wrong it might have even been my mom where I expressed to her something was wrong I didn't know what was wrong but something wasn't right I, I couldn't I couldn't motivate myself it was like trying to start the car and the starter wasn't working like I <laughs> you could imagine like wanting to be motivated wanting to do positive things wanting to feel good about yourself wanting to just be positive and you can't some sort of whatever mechanism inside of your soul that allows positivity to flow in abundance if that whatever device or mechanism that is when it's broken when you can't find it it fucks with you man like because everything else starts to break when you lose hope in everything what else is there to hold on to you know, and it was a domino effect. I lost hope in myself. I lost hope in my abilities to provide as a father, to love and provide and protect as a partner, to love and provide and protect as a sibling, as a son, son-in-law, as a friend, as, you know, I lost hope in so many. I lost hope in my friends. I lost hope in my family. I lost hope in, I lost hope in all of humanity. And at that moment, that's when I was way in over my head and didn't know it. It was at that moment that I was a day away. I was one bad day away from doing something stupid. And that day came that day came and uh i guess what i can tell you about hmm. it's never it's never the what happened during that day was not the reason why I wanted to commit suicide. It was the culmination of months and months and months and damn near years of battles with my ego lost that led me to wanting to at the very at the very least I wanted to hurt myself and <clears throat> A lot of that is because the the pain that comes with depression is so deep that it feels like a disease. It feels like something that you can't remove. It feels like something so deep in your, your soul and your spirit that will never go away. And that feeling, that f the pain of that is... I can't for years I've tried to put it into words and I can't put it into words but I mean ultimately it's a pain that you 
you want to go away. And if I have to, you know, hurt myself in order to feel something else to just remove that pain, then pass it to me or hand it over or what is it? Because I've been living with this pain for too long and it's going to kill me. So at least give me something that won't kill me. It'll hurt because I want to feel pain. You know, I'm 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 living in pain. I'm living in misery. I'm living in this space. So any physical harm would would be nice it'd be for a change because all this emotional <laughs> and spiritual pain is fucking killing me from the inside out. So, <clears throat> you know, that day. It was a weekend, and for a Virgo, the fastest way to get a Virgo to stop fucking with you is to um, show them you don't value them, or show them that you take them that you're taking them for granted, or show them that you don't value them as much as they have shown that they value you something of that sort right do something like that and i guarantee you a virgo it, you're done they may say something they may not most cases it's just cut you off i'm out and for me this particular day this entire day felt like i like my i felt like my time wasn't being taken into consideration and i was taking into consideration everybody else's time and uh which you know was something that i was doing at the time which was a mistake i i was doing everything for everyone else in the hopes that it would make me feel good and all it did was make me feel shitty because i felt like that same respect wasn't being shown and if it was i couldn't see it because i was you know stuck in my own misery and i couldn't really see the reality of what was going on you know i'm i'm thinking i'm acting one way but in reality i'm showing up completely different and without my friends and family speaking up and and mentioning these things to me i don't know i don't know that you know i'm showing up disheveled and you know unusual for you know the way that people you know have known for me to show up and it was just a domino effect one thing after the other one thing after the other and just by the end of the day I had gone through so much bullshit during that day where my my ego was having a field day feasting on all of this stuff you know I start with you know, having to watch my daughter before I have to go train some kids. You know, they're late picking up my daughter, which makes me late for my clients, which means I have to push everyone, you know, 30 minutes to an hour down the line on my schedule, which, you know, so I, I ended up losing a few clients that day. So I'm losing out on money, which already is upsetting. I then go and train some of the kids. Uh, you know, I remember one, I think one of the, the, the kids I was supposed to train ended up not showing up. So I ended up having this long gap. And then after that, one of the gyms I was supposed to work at shut down in the middle of the day. So we had to, you know, 
moved to a different gym and then the client just wasn't happy. I mean, it was just, and then to top it off, I'm on my way home. I've already had a fucked up day. I'm on my way home. I, you know, I get a phone call. I get into it with Natasha. I'm already feeling fucked up about the day. I'm in traffic at nine o'clock at night. The car I was in was a bucket. I had to learn how to drive a stick shift because I had no car at the time. So my stepdad had this little beater Saturn station wagon. I had to learn how to drive a stick if I wanted to get to and from just to kind of give you an idea of the commitments and things I was doing to try to just get back right. You know, but the car would overheat. So I'm stuck in traffic nine o'clock at night. I'm tired after dealing all dealing with all of this. And on the freeway, my car's about to overheat. So I'm over here trying to, you know, weave in and out, keep my fan moving, take some heat off of the engine by blowing the fan. I'm on the phone with Natasha. She's mad at me about something. I'm trying not to let my car overheat. And, at, you know, at that point, it just was all so much that I just said, fuck it, I'm out. Or at least not all the way out. I was just like, man, I'm, fuck this. What am I trying so hard for? I'm, I'm, you know, I'm up early trying to, you know, figure out a way to make some money. And then I'm off to work. I'm leaving work early, even though I shouldn't, because it's at, at that point, it was an opportunity. It wasn't even a for sure job. Like it was a trial period and I'm leaving, I'm coming in late, leaving in early because I'm trying to just be the best version of me for everyone without realizing I'm not even close to the okay version of me. Like I'm, I need to, at that time I should have spent more time fixing myself. Like I have the last shit two years instead of just trying to hit the ground running. That was a mistake I made. Um, and the result of me hitting the ground running was more so me trying to ignore what was going on and just run from my depression. But that shit caught up. It will catch up. Um, and without having proper techniques or coping mechanisms or ways to handle that depression, it was going to catch up with me. And the further I ran from it, the stronger it got. And when it finally caught me, it almost took me out. So when I got home... When I got home, I just wanted to sleep. Like I wanted to I wanted to sleep like 12 hours and just start over. Like can I just start the day over? And for a lot of you who know I don't I don't drink. I'm not a drinker, but I got home and I contemplated calling a few people, but I think for me at that time I had been venting so much about my problems and my the problems in my relationship and the problems just in my life that I felt like why bother my friends some more with some more shit you know I felt like at the time I was kind of exhausting a lot of my my circle with you know my bullshit and and what was going on and um whether it be true or not you know I didn't want to bother them because I felt like they were just tired of hearing they were tired of hearing the complaints without any action or solutions behind it from me and which I understood but obviously my ego is going to 
process that information differently and turn that into some sort of shame or guilt for me to carry for me to carry right cool um so i drank i drank a bunch of bacardi in the hopes i would just sleep um and of course you know i wake up like four hours later a little hungover but pissed because i didn't sleep all i all i wanted was to sleep i just wanted to sleep it all away and wake up and just have a new chance to start over and now because i didn't sleep i'm pissed off that i haven't slept and now i'm like even more motivated to do something stupid um because now I'm looking, it wasn't even like, all right, I need to do something else to go to sleep. Now it's just like, I can't even do that. Right. Like I just want to sleep and I can't even do that. Like I'm, I, at that point I put my, I put my hands up to it all. I was just like, fuck it, man. Like I think the conversation I had with myself in that moment was like, I'm not a good provider. I'm not a good partner. I'm not a good friend. I'm not like, it was just a whole bunch of things that I'm not good at. And a lot of that was because that was the only information that I was absorbing at the time. Like I maybe would hear other positive things, but at that time I was hearing a lot of negative shit, or at least I was, that's all the information I was processing. Like, you could tell me five good things about myself, but if you give me one criticism at that moment, I heard five criticisms. That's just how I process it, which wasn't healthy and isn't healthy still. Um, but at the time, that's what was going on. So for me, in that moment where I was pissed off of waking up, I said, fuck it, man. I'm Well, I guess I got to do something to ensure that I'm going to be asleep. So I woke up. And I left my phone at home on purpose because I didn't want I didn't want anyone to talk me out of what I was contemplating on doing. I didn't know what I was going to do, but ultimately my plan was to do something to hurt myself and end up in a hospital or shit, even dead. And... Uh, I, th I didn't want, I, part of me didn't want to do it because I brought my, my extra phone, which didn't have cell service unless you had Wi-Fi and you could communicate. And I think I brought that with me only because, um, just in case, you know, just in case, just in case I wanted to reach out. And I remember sending a text message to my sister before I left. Um, and that was, that was, you know, kind of like, that was a call cry out for help to be quite honest. Um, I didn't have to, but you know, my sister is my best friend and I couldn't, I wouldn't, my, I would come back reincarnated if I wouldn't have had said anything to her and I, I decided to leave this earth. Um, so I left, I left and I drove, I drove North. I, I didn't know what I was going to do, but I wanted to go visit my grandmother's grave. Um, 
so that's what I did. I went, they were closed. So then I went, bought a whole bunch of weed. I went and visited my grandmother after they opened. I sat in my car. I smoked a bunch of weed and I was going, I had a handful of, uh, ibuprofen. It was a lot. It was like a, it was a whole bottle. My intention was I was just going to take all of them. Um, I was down the street from a hospital. So in case someone saw me in the car, maybe someone in time would be able to save me, you know, if that's God's plan, you know, or maybe not, maybe this is it. And I, th I think I felt in the beginning, I, f I felt, I found solitude in, I guess, where I was choosing to do this because I loved my grandmother. You know, at, at, I think at that time, well, I know at that time I was crying out for her. This was a woman who I confided in for everything. This is a woman who never judged me, who always believed I could do incredible things. And I think that for me, subconsciously I wanted to be with her so if that meant you know dying close to her then maybe my spirit would be close to her in that moment and I'd find some peace and uh so I sat there I sat there and I started rec as crazy as it sounds I started recording a pod I started recording an episode and um as I'm, you know, talking through kind of, I guess, my my suicide letter or my suicide episode, I start thinking about all the people. I start thinking about, on it. well, I start thinking about my funeral. And I start thinking about all the people that'll be there. I start thinking about, you know, what all the, what everyone would say. And I start thinking about my daughter and, you know, how she'll grow up and the things people will tell her about her dad as she's growing up. And I start thinking about like, and the crazy part in that moment is like, for a lot of you, you uh, during this entire pod, you're probably thinking, it, you've got a newborn child. How how could you possibly want to kill yourself with a new baby? That right there should speak to depression. Should speak to how serious depression is. How real and how how dark it can get. And it gets there. It doesn't get there fast. Like, that's the part that... I want a lot of you to understand is that depression isn't something that just one one day you wake up and it's like, oh, I'm depressed. Like it creeps in. It's a slow process. It's the it's the result of a number, uh, uh, either a number of or one significantly traumatic experience or experiences to send you down this path. And if you don't recognize that this is the path you're walking down or that this is the path that someone you love is walking down, by the time they get to the door, by the time they get to death's door, they might start knocking. And for me, I was at the door. 
getting ready to knock. And if it opened, it opened. If it didn't, it didn't. But I was at that point in my life, I was willing to just give it up to somebody else. I was done trying to control my life, my outcome, my situation. I was willing to just give it all up and let let God do it. I was willing to walk away from everyone else because in my mind, I had told myself I was so, such a burden on everyone. You know, um, you know, what kind of what kind of father am I when I can't provide? What kind of of husband will I be when I can't love? What kind of brother will I be when I can't protect? What kind of son will I be when I can't love? Like it's I at that point, I felt like I didn't have anything to offer anybody. So I was willing to go. And crazy enough there there's probably only two or three things that that walked me off that ledge one of them was you start thinking about who's going to have to answer those difficult questions about what happened why didn't anyone see this coming why didn't any why didn't why didn't we do more why didn't we speak up why didn't we do something why didn't we why you know what you know i wish joe would have called me or i wish joe would have said something or i wish i would have called him or i wish i would have said something like all these things would have been all of these questions would have been at the funeral and beyond and i'm not there to answer those questions you know and the people that would be left to have to answer these questions like how fucked up is that of me to do that to them to where they're left to have to answer these questions you know um no one can no one will be able to to answer those questions quite like yourself and I think for for me at that moment, I just thought about all those unanswered questions um, that so many people would would have to try to answer. And I think for me in those moments, I just realized like if at the very least they need an answer so that if I do decide to do this, if there are questions, people will have answers and I, I think for me in that moment, you know, I mean, ultimately in that moment, what was happening is, is that I had to make a decision in whether the person that I was <clears throat> whether the person that I was was going to continue to live or if that person needed to die. And the tough part about that situation is that I felt that I had worked so hard on the person that I had become. The same person that had a pop-in Saturday night in the city. The same person who packed up his shit and said, we're going to L.A. and moved to L.A. and, and was out there living and, you know, at, based on perception was thriving. That same person 
you know, wasn't going to be able to live here anymore because that same person that was able to provide all those things is the same person that was carrying all this guilt. It wasn't who I, I am now or the person that I needed to become to, to, to get out of this. The person that I was at that time, the person that I was at that time had to die. And, uh, the decision in that moment was, am I willing to go with it? And I was, I, at a, There were moments um, at that time in the beginning, I was willing to go with 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 that person that I was essentially my ego. I was willing to die with my ego because I didn't know who I was going to become and how I was going to be that person um, or who I was going to be moving forward. So it was it was hard. It was hard. It was hard as fuck, honestly. And in that moment, I decided to step away. I, well, no. Let me be honest. I, I passed out. All that weed, I fell asleep. <laughs> I think God or, God or whoever was watching me at that moment just put me to sleep. And I woke up maybe, I don't know how how long. I don't know how long I was asleep when I woke up. When I woke up. The feeling that you know you fucked up sucks. And um, when you know you've put all of your friends and family members on high alert because no one knows where you are and hasn't been able to contact you for a couple hours, and they but they know you're struggling and going through something, and the only reference they have is some cryptic message to your closest family member or friend, you're going to have to answer to all of that, which that part fucking sucked. But ultimately, these were... I didn't have to have so much of the conversation of my depression because shit, there it is right there for you. Like I was going to kill myself or at the very least harm myself because I'm in emotional pain and I can't, I can't handle it. I don't have the tools. I don't have the system. I don't have the support in place to, to manage this. And at that moment it was kind of, I mean, I had no more pride. I had no more ego. I had no more, like reluctance, like I, I'm extremely vulnerable and naked in this moment because I'm literally at my lowest point and I have to, I have to call these people and have conversations with them about not necessarily like what I was going to do, but you know, maybe why I was going to do it. And the one question I hated was, well, why didn't you call me? Granted, I understand why people ask that and it's a lot of that is because it's like, look, I would have helped you. But what you have to understand is that this is a singular individual type of thing. Like there are times that people reach out and ask for help and call out for help. And it doesn't look the way that you would intend. Like no one comes up to you just like, hey, bro, I got depression. Like, do you think you could help me? Like, I'm not asking for a stick of gum or like to fix my flat tire. Like, 
I'm emotionally fucked up and in a wreck. Can you help me? Like some people just don't know how to emotionally support their friends or family members, which isn't of any fault of their own. All of us are dealing with some stuff, but you don't know to what level or even what kind of depression someone is suffering from. Could it be just a moment? Is this a, a duration of time? Like, are we talking like this is just a bad month? For me, this was a bad few years. Is this something that is going to be for the rest of your life? And I think for me, this is something that I've been able to manage uh, with, you know, some of the systems and and support support systems I have in place. But it's a long it's a long fucking road. And what you and for me, you know, the isolation you create when you're depressed, you don't realize you start cutting off friends and family because you're you're almost like you know you're going to like die or imagine if you're a bomb and you know you're going to blow up. You've got a timer in your head of when you feel you could possibly blow up. So what you start doing is you start removing people from being close around you because you don't want them to feel the effects of the explosion that could potentially happen. And it's never really an explosion for me, it was an implosion. And for a lot of people who are quiet and a lot of people that are calm and just chill, it's implosion. You're not going to get them to explode. It's not, it's rare, but for the most part, it's a lot of implosion and just being in your own head, right? And so having to come out of that and, and clean up a lot of those messes, whether it be, you know, having conversations where I have to be completely transparent and vulnerable with, you know, people that I, I normally would feel comfortable being vulnerable with. But at that time, like I had, I had gone like a year or two with being guarded that now I don't know how to be vulnerable with these people. I don't know how to be, completely transparent with these people because I've over time built this exterior to protect myself against what I didn't know was happening internally. Imagine that like having to, having to wear armor to protect yourself from cancer. Like that doesn't make any sense, but I didn't know that's what was going on. I was trying to protect all the negative outside energy when all the negative energy was inside of me being exuded out. And over time, what you realize is that you, there are a lot of relationships that sour as a result, people trying to help you and those that help falling on deaf ears or people, you know, giving opportunities and you fuck off those opportunities because you're in the middle of, you know, your depression trying to figure it out or, you know, um, there's a lot of trust that's that you have to regain. You know, um, I know for the first, I think I was on like house arrest for like the first week after that. Like I couldn't, my parents wouldn't let me go anywhere. Um, and I couldn't fight it. Like I put myself in that, that position, you know, um, I remember there was a, there was a moment that I left my phone at home. This is probably like three weeks, four weeks after all this happened. I'd left my phone at home on accident and uh, it created a small panic for my family. And, you know, 
that shit sucked. You know what I mean? Like I was fine, but it, it took all of them back to that place where, you know, they were in a, you know, that mindset and you don't realize like the triggers that go off for other people in those moments. You know, my stepdad has lost a lot of people to suicide. And in that moment, I didn't think one, I didn't take into consideration how much he cared about me, but I also didn't take into consideration how my choice would affect him and the stories he has about suicide, you know, and, uh, you know, friends and and other family members like my, you know, Natasha and us dealing with the, the suicide the day before Father's Day, you know, her having to essentially relive that potentially with me, uh, creating uh, a rift between her and my sister, be, you know, at least for that, that week or two, because, you know, my sister was, was devastated that something might have happened to me. So she, you know, was lashing out at any and everyone she felt could have been responsible. So I had to go back and clean up a lot of those messes and I had to earn back a lot of trust and I had to um, build myself back up from the bottom, from the bottom up. And the struggle of that is also the beauty in that. And that was I had to do it brick by brick step by step and uh ultimately what i learned i learned a lot about myself during this process and ultimately that's that's where i've been the last like two years i have been rebuilding and working on myself that's why i haven't been on instagram a lot of you haven't seen me posting on instagram instagram for me personally is toxic it doesn't help my me mentally, emotionally. It fucks with me, to be quite honest. Um, there's no context on Instagram. So the content skews perception. And as someone who, do, who does social media marketing for a living, I spent way too much time on that app, on that app and I started to lose perception of myself. The person that I was being on the app started to become the person that I was in my like waking life. And that's not who I am. Um, I had to learn that. Um, I think all social apps are like, you know, vices. We all have our own vice. Some people like alcohol. Some people like weed some people like sweets some people like salty foods we all we all have our own vice some people like twitter some people like instagram i have as a part of me you know rebuilding myself i had to get rid of everything and everyone and that i was associating myself with and that i was doing so that i could find out what it was that spoke to me at authentically And, um, you know, I think that for me, having a lot of friends and having a large circle and support system allowed me to use them and their lives as excuses to focus on their lives rather than my own. And I had to 
isolate myself to find myself. I had to get out of the lane that I was in, whether it be, you know, down the same path of other friends and family members. I had to get out of that lane. I had to find my own path. I had to find, I had to search and look for who I was as a person. You know, what do I like? What do I love? What am I interested in? What is feeding my soul and what is taking away from it? You know, what is helping me in this moment build and what could potentially be taking away from that build, you know, and, you know, I hate to say this, but to those of you who have had friends who have gone through this and have gone through depression, they remember the shit you say when they are at the bottom of, of their depression or when they're going through it. Like, don't think that people forget just what you say and how you act just because they're in the middle in the middle of a depression like i could imagine i've never been an addict but i've i've lived and loved addicts and it's not like when someone's in the middle of an addiction they forget all the shit you said and how you acted when they eventually gained sobriety they remember that they remember that shit so be mindful of that. It's very easy to, I don't want to say attack because as the person who's going through the depression, it feels like that, but that's not what it is. That's just me incorrectly processing what's happening. There are certain ways you should approach people. And there are ways that you shouldn't. It's difficult to learn how to approach. It's difficult to learn how to approach someone when they're in the middle of an addiction or, you know, depression or, you know, just suffering from a mental state like that. But the same, the same, you know, difficult conversations you have to have as the person who, I don't even know how to say like wanted to commit suicide and didn't. I don't want to say failed. That's fucked up. But like, you know, when you're the person coming out of it and you have to have these conversations with friends and family members about what the fuck happened, like you also have to have the conversation with them. Like, Hey, I remember the fucked up shit you said. And sometimes, sometimes, sometimes relationships, change and sometimes things you used to do you don't do anymore because they don't fit who you are like i i used to enjoy putting outfits together and posting on instagram i don't do it anymore just because i don't that was my ego that's all ego i don't i don't do that anymore you know what i mean i stopped really eating the fast food i'll cheat every once in a while and fuck up some wendy's or something like that but for the most part i'm putting the right food in my body to feed my soul in the right way so that I can sleep properly and have enough energy to go, you know, go on about my day. I cut out a lot of the rap music that I listen to unless I'm working out or doing something physical where that aggression can come out. It's a lot of R&B vibes these days. You know what I mean? Like real mellow, chill shit. I don't talk to a lot of people. I keep to myself. So I can focus on what I need to do for myself, my immediate family members. I have enough shit going on with just my family 
to where I don't have enough time to engage and interact with, with friends like I used to. I used to spread myself thin trying to be everything for everyone. And what I found out is that when it was time to hit that deposit for myself, I had nothing saved up for myself. If anything, I was overdrawn. So for these last, you know, last two years when you guys haven't heard or seen from me, I have been working on rebuilding myself to be stronger than I ever have before, whether it be physically. Shout out to my buddy Grant, who, um, you know, when I was at the when I was at the bottom of my depression, I told him I needed something just to motivate me and to change my mindset. And he was he stayed on me for like three months every day sending me a text message of motivation wake up let's get to it let's make it an awesome day you know i mean you got this you know i'm saying fuck all that other shit like let's get to it he put together a fitness program for me he put together a meal plan for me and he you know he helped me refocus you know my purpose you know i was so focused on all this shit that i fucked up that i i i couldn't focus on what it is i needed to do to rebuild and grant was one of those people to kind of help kickstart that focus just to you know shift my mind and my focus onto something else that wasn't me or my depression and you need that you know you need to focus on something productive that is going to help build you back up so for me Weight training, which was something that I never really liked doing. I'm st- I still don't really enjoy it anymore. I did in the beginning of quarantine because it was new. It was challenging, but I love to hoop. So I'd rather play basketball. But, you know, stuff like that, reading more books as opposed to listening to more podcasts, like physically flipping through the pages. I've been reading more books than I, I've been watching shows, completely shifting that focus, you know, um, you know, really aligning myself with people who have the same interest as me in regards to what I spend most of my time on. I spend most of my time on right now creating video content for the people and companies that I work for, playing basketball and hanging out with my family, you know, so those are those are the pillars of my life and what I'm aligned with. And if you aren't aligned with those things, you probably aren't going to fall into my line of vision. I'm very focused on what it is that I have going on right now, and I don't anticipate that I'll lose that focus anytime soon, which means I don't anticipate you guys will see me that often, hear from me that often. I'm not that hard to find. If you have my number, my number hasn't changed since sophomore year in high school. I'm not that hard to find or reach, but I am hard to sit down because I'm trying to focus and find all the things that bring me joy and will continue to add to that deposit of my emotional well-being. And I'm not going to stop until I get to the point that I feel I need to get to. And I'm probably halfway there. I'm, I'm at a point now where there's not a lot that could shake my confidence or shake my spirit. There are things that most certainly could. I've lost a lot of family members in these last two years, whether it be death, jail, or otherwise. I've lost a lot of family members um, and stayed strong, stayed sturdy, stayed 10 toes down the whole time. So there's not a lot that'll shake my spirit. There's not a lot that anyone could say to me to fuck up my confidence or self-belief because I did it on my own. I did it with no help. I did it with no handouts. I had to get it, you know, 
with the resources that I, I had and have cultivated from that point to now. You know, uh, there's definitely a level of satisfaction that comes with that. It is lonely. Uh, you definitely isolate yourself. But for me, if I have to isolate myself for two years to get to where I need to get to in regards to my own mental health and well-being, well, fuck it. I'll do two more years. I never want to get back to that place. And if that means I have to stop doing some of the things that I used to like to do in order to get to a place that I love, well, then fuck those things. Those things don't mean those things don't mean as much now as they meant then because they're not going to mean shit when I get to where it is I need to get to. I'm hell bent on getting to where it is I need to get to, and that's success. Success comes in a number of different forms. Instagram used to alter my perception of what success was because I would base my level of success up against the level of other people, which is stupid. Don't do that. Success for you can be a number of different things. The fact that my fiance during quarantine hasn't had to work that's successful you know my mentor shout out to kun kun love you know he told me taking care of your family you know being you know getting your your family back getting your relationship back thriving that's success he tells me all the time you're six you're six you made it you did it you got a house, you got your family, you got a degree, you got a really good job. You did it. You're on. And for so many of us who believe we have to have all these material things to validate the fact that we made it or that you're on, it's nice to have someone who's older than you remind you about what it's like when you pass the finish line, when you cross that finish line. What actually is important? None of that shit is important. Your family's important. What's your family like? How's the relationship with your kids? Yeah, you got a nice car. Business is thriving. Your kids love you. What's the relationship like with your spouse? Everybody can be, you know, you know, doing it sure you guys can go on trips all the time but are you happy or is it only because one you two can provide for the other what it is that they want and request it's tough it's tough but for me this time away has really helped me get to this point i didn't want to do this but my sister said something real important to me. And she said, a lot of people call you sensitive, but don't look at it as a negative. Look at it as a positive. You have the ability to understand your emotions in a way that intimidates a lot of people because they don't understand their emotions in the same capacity that you do. And the more time you spend not sharing that, the easier it is for people to tell you that you're sensitive and it be a negative rather than it be a positive. So with that being said, 
I'd like to thank you all for listening to my emotional sensitive ass for the last however long, hour and a half, two hours, however long this pod has been. I ask that you check up on your friends who may be going through something. Don't wait for them to talk to you. You reach out and talk to them. Don't ask them, are you depressed? Don't ask them shit like that. Have a conversation with them. Just see how they're doing. They may tell you a whole lot. They may tell you a little. But at least in that conversation, they'd be able to tell you something. This has been an episode of the Truth Pace Podcast. I appreciate you all for listening. I don't know when I'll do the next episode. But based on the response of this one, maybe it'll be soon. Until then, peace and love.